folks, I regret to inform you that the Charlie Marlowe YouTube channel has stooped to new lows. Not only is this the worst production value we have ever seen in a Charlie Marlowe YouTube video, but also, first and foremost, he is allowing me, Cole, here to jump on and do some content for you guys in the realm of college football. Uh, this is very much so a baseball-centric page, a baseball-centric channel, certainly with the Cardinals being the primary focus. But uh, he wants to branch out, do a little bit of everything. And so I got your football content covered, at least for today. Oregon and Washington, this is very much an impromptu video jumping on here, like I said, from the floor of my closet. But this was such an important game and all the ramifications that this had in the college football world and how it just ruined all of the fun. So start from square one. Washington enters this game at 12-0. Oregon enters this game at 11-1, obviously with their only loss being in Seattle earlier in the year. Oregon, a 9.5 point favorite in this game, which was a bit overwhelming to the point where I kind of just thought, you know, you chalk it up to Vegas, they know something, we don't. The It's all math, there's no emotion to it. So I figured that uh, Oregon would probably be the safe bet there, and... In the middle part of that game, it kind of looked like they were because they had so much momentum on their side. They stormed back. They took the lead, and you thought that maybe they would bury them. But I think a lot of that spread had to do with how they performed in the second half of the season, where immediately following the first iteration of Oregon versus Washington, we saw Oregon basically steamroll through the entire rest of the Pac-12 schedule aside from Washington State, which they kind of fooled around with. And we saw Washington stumble just about every single week with every single opponent. A lot of one-score games that they were able to pull out. So the momentum was completely on Oregon's side, in addition to the fact that they were on a neutral field this time, not having to play at Washington Stadium. In addition to the fact that there is actually somewhat of an advantage, I believe, in losing the first matchup because you have the most room to grow, and Oregon, despite being a 9.5 point favorite and possibly creating my dream scenario for the college football playoffs, is having, well, was having Oregon win that game, preferably a close game, make the playoffs. And I thought that they could have had a Washington possible four seed situation in there, maybe Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Washington. Uh, depending on how the rest of the playoffs went out, particularly with the SEC championship game on Saturday. But that scenario is no longer. And the thing that frustrates me the most about that is the college football playoff committee is now probably not going to have to make any tough decisions. I think Texas, should they beat Oklahoma State, is going to leapfrog Ohio State and probably get in. Florida State is kind of the only wild card left at this point, again, recording this well, I guess it's technically Saturday morning because it's after midnight at this point, but this is a very much a Oregon-Washington uh, post-game show uh, of some sorts. So the college football playoff scenario is going to get a little bit easier for the committee, who I think is terrified of making tough decisions, and they very much go chalk uh, if and when they can because I think that they just fear criticism and they don't want to be very imaginative. Uh, at least that's my speculation. So... Oregon and Washington are both not going to make the playoffs. We will have Washington in. We will not have Oregon in, and that just devastates me. Uh, this also causes, from a media perspective, I, I think a, a bit of a sticky situation with the Heisman Trophy because Bo Nix, for the past, what, five, six weeks, I'm kind of just ballparking it with that estimation, had been your odds-on favorite, far and away, I might add, to be your Heisman Trophy winner, but... If previous years are any indication, all the Heisman voters really need is one interesting week of football to change their minds. 
as was most acutely illustrated in the 2018 season, where Tua Tungavaloa had the Heisman race basically wrapped up for an entire season until Alabama lost the SEC championship to Georgia, and then Oklahoma avenged their loss to Texas in the Big 12 championship that year. And then conveniently, everybody in the media, everybody in the college football discussion space just swayed from Tua all the way to Kyler Murray all at the same time. How freak, How convenient is that? Uh, that the group think in the Heisman Trophy uh, echo chamber, if you will, and I'm kind of just throwing out buzzwords at this point. Uh, I, I don't even really know what I'm saying. But you get my point, is that, well, maybe you don't get my point. Let me illustrate it for you. I think that this is the perfect platform in a Pac-12 championship game, despite the fact that the previous basically half the season, Bo Nix had been the leader in the clubhouse for the Heisman Trophy running. I think that all potentially just got erased in the Pac-12 championship. I think they're going to give it to Michael Penix because Michael Penix is going to be the quarterback on the team that actually made the playoffs. Bo Nix will not. Uh, Michael Penix outperformed Bo Nix in the in the Pac-12 championship just now. He had only one touchdown, one interception. I believe Bo Nix had three touchdowns and one interception. But the biggest disparity was clearly the yardage as well as yards per attempt. But it was about a 100-yard difference between the two. Michael Penix outthrowing Bo Nix. I think that's going to be everything that the Heisman Trophy uh, voters need. I think in one fell swoop, Michael Penix just won the Heisman Trophy, and I do not think that's how it should be. Now, certainly championship games and conference championship games uh, deserve a heavier weight than regular season games, but when Bo Nix has been the Heisman Trophy winner essentially for half of the season, once everybody finally got off the idea that J.J. McCarthy was somehow going to win the Heisman Trophy, I don't know what math led into that. I just told you a couple minutes ago that somehow... Uh, this is all related to math and that this, there's no emotion in any of the lines that are set. And yet J.J. McCarthy, who does, did not have the statistics and certainly does not pass the eye test, so he passes neither in my opinion, uh, had been the Heisman Trophy favorite earlier on in the season. Why? I don't know. I guess it's because he was a, a returning starting quarterback on a playoff team from last year. Must have been something along those lines. But once they backed off of him, then it became Bo Nix. And I think Michael Penix is going to possibly unjustly win the Heisman Trophy. I'm not entirely sure who I think should win the Heisman Trophy. I just think it's a bit wrong for anyone who had been on the Bo Nix train for the past six-ish weeks to then completely abandon that after one game. And yes, it absolutely helps the narrative that Michael Penix beat Bo Nix on the exact same field. And so... You have that head-to-head matchup. It makes that decision a little bit easier. So Michael Penix, my prediction, going to win the Heisman Trophy. And uh, the Heisman Trophy voters are going to make asses of themselves when they probably otherwise would have voted Bo Nix uh, if Oregon won that game and they both finished 11-1 and both finished with a tie against each other. And Bo Nix probably would have ran away with it. At least that's what the odds would have implied. So the Heisman Trophy is not going to go how I want it to go. Although, I, like I said, I don't even really have a dog in the fight one way or the other. I, I just think that it's going to be rather convenient how the voting goes down. Uh, also, I alluded to earlier with the playoff situation, I apologize for moving my laptop just now, but i got to adjust my posture. Uh, again, this is uh, probably the least amount of production value that this very professional YouTube channel has ever endured. So, and uh, I'm very proud to bring that here. Cole here, by the way, uh, just to remind you all. Uh, so talking about the college football playoff scenario, 
I thought it was very, very, very real that Washington, should they have lost this game, had a protection in the fact that they were forced to play a 13th game, which, by the way, is not a 13th regular season game. It is a bonus conference championship game, which is weighted more. And I think just making that game makes them a more valuable team than, say, Ohio State, who has absolutely zero risk this uh, this week in the college football. I'm sorry, in the in the conference championship weekend, they don't have to risk anything. They don't have to risk losing. No, they can't win, so they can't benefit from it too much. In fact, I don't think they should be able to benefit from it at all. Any team given an equal number of losses or better, because Washington entered this week with zero losses. And in fact, we can actually talk about, we can scrap the hypothetical and talk about the real situation, which is Oregon, who entered this year, I'm sorry, this uh, conference uh, conference championship weekend with one loss, and Ohio State entered this season, entered this weekend with one loss. What happens to Oregon? Does Oregon drop beneath Ohio State? Now, Oregon, I think, is out of the playoff running because they lost to a playoff team twice. Granted, they're probably going to be one of the only teams in college football who had to play two playoff teams in their season. Washington and, well, Washington. Uh, aside from Alabama, uh, potentially Alabama. We'll see if both Georgia and Texas make the playoffs. But tough schedule there for Oregon, having to play Washington twice, who is a hell of a football team. Ohio State had basically a two-game schedule having to, well, I guess three. I'm factoring in Notre Dame now, but I was just thinking about Penn State and Big uh Penn State and Michigan within the Big Ten. They played a lot of bad opponents. Oregon, who was in by far a better conference, and what a shame that the Pac-12 is dissolving. Or you actually can say that it may be a positive that the Pac-12 is having its little uh, dissolving here on such a good season, so they're ending on a high note. But Oregon played a tougher schedule, entered this week 11-1, they had to risk something. Ohio State did not. Does it make sense for Oregon to drop beneath Ohio State? And I was going to say, well, what if Washington lost? Washington would have been 12-1. and Ohio State would have been 11-1. and Would it have made any sense for Washington to then drop beneath Ohio State and have a lesser shot at the playoffs than a team that didn't even play in the conference championship weekend? I would have said no. We don't have to worry about that situation. Washington is going to get in. But I do think that both of those teams would have gotten in. Oregon, do they still have a path at all? Probably not, because I think the biggest reason that they don't have a path to the playoffs is because it's the most unfair to Washington. Washington has beaten them twice. They have proven they are better than them. They've done it on their home field, and they've done it on a neutral site. And so I don't think... Whoops, I just hit my laptop. But I don't think that it is fair to Washington to potentially make them run through Oregon a third time to prove that they're better than Oregon a third time in order for them uh, to complete their quest for a national title. I don't think that's fair to Washington, so I think for them, for that, you have to keep uh, Oregon out of it there. But now we're talking about the doomsday scenario, and the doomsday scenario really comes in if Texas loses to Oklahoma State. I don't think they're going to. I think they will take care of them on Saturday. And depending on what time you're watching this, this may have already happened. But... Uh, freakish stuff happening in the Pac-12. I, I couldn't believe Washington uh, completed this game the way that they did. They surrendered all momentum. And uh, when I was watching this game, I was out with, uh, I was out, and uh, with with the crowd. And when I was there, and when I was watching the game, when I got there, Washington was already up ten nothing, and I'd missed the beginning of the game. 
And then right as I arrived at the function, all of a sudden momentum completely switched into Oregon's favor. And then when we dispersed, then Washington... So apparently what Washington needed was me to not watch the game. Because as soon as I started watching the game, Oregon took over. And I thought that they were going to run away with it. And then Washington somehow regains momentum in the end of the game and messes everything up. They blow up the dream playoff scenario with two Pac-12 teams, which still, if Texas loses, if Alabama loses, I think there's an argument that Oregon should get in above Ohio State. Because Ohio State at zero risk. But we just saw last season with USC what happened to them. And keep in mind, they got blown out by Utah. They got blown out. And uh, Caleb Williams was kind of banged up in that game, but who cares? They lost like 44-24 to or 44-17. That's off the top of my head. I, I could be incorrect about that. But essentially the point here is is that uh, I, I think that based off of the precedent that was set last year, possibly a new committee. I don't know who was on the committee last year versus this year, but just viewing the committee as a whole, <coughs> I don't have a water, I'm sorry, and I certainly don't have a cough button. I'm certainly not editing that out. So we just got to deal with that. Again, no production value here. But based off what we saw last season, I'm inclined to believe that Oregon is completely done due to the fact that Ohio State will probably be a priority over them. Unjustly so, but that's probably going to happen. But uh, as I begin this entire thing with friendly reminder, is that I think the committee owes it to Washington, and you can kind of remove Oregon from the situation. They beat that team twice, regardless of how good Oregon is. I think the committee owes it to Washington to not put them at risk of having to beat the same team three times in one season to prove that they're champions. That's not fair. That is not fair to do that to Washington. So uh, for that reason, regardless of what happens in Florida State, regardless of what happens in the Texas game, regardless of what happens in Alabama, Georgia, uh, Oregon, I am afraid, will have to be left out. But it would just be the most heartwarming thing in the entire universe for me if Oregon finishes at five no matter what and Ohio State finishes at six and uh, they keep that uh, obstacle above Ohio State. So those are kind of my thoughts on it. That's kind of the big picture stuff that we're talking about. What happens here? We're talking about the college football playoffs. We're talking about the Heisman Trophy. And uh, actually, what I should do and what I will do is I'm going to pull up the live odds uh, via Fandle, just because that's the app that I have on my phone. And uh, we can kind of meander live in real time, entering what is now going to be Conference Championship Saturday. Uh, so... No ACC game is played yet. No Big Ten game is played yet. Big 12, SC, certainly not the SEC. That game is going to be wildly fun. But Washington and Oregon, what kind of live effect has this had on the landscape of college football? The first thing I'm going to look at is the Heisman Trophy, because I just told you, before even checking this app, I think Michael Penix just won it in one weekend, which is not the way to vote for a Heisman Trophy, but that's how they have done it year over year over year. That's also how they do it not even just for the first-place guy. That's how they do it for the second- and third-place guy. Uh, uh, Kenny Pickett finished second place a couple years ago over C.J. Stroud, largely because Kenny Pickett had the fake slide against Wake Forest in the ACC championship game, and everyone lost their minds, and, how, and oh, how great fun that was that Kenny, Pitt, uh, Kenny Pickett faked the slide and demanded a rule change basically on the spot when C.J. Stroud had a better season that year but did not appear in the conference championship weekend because Michigan beat Ohio State that year. And C.J. Stroud, and neither of them won the Heisman, so it's not the biggest deal in the world. But C.J. Stroud finished lower than Kenny Pickett in the Heisman rankings solely because 
the people who vote for the Heisman Trophy are the most knee-jerk reaction people you have ever seen in your entire life. And now, losing my mind, losing my mind. Live in real time, the Heisman odds, Jaden Daniels soars to the top at minus 14.50. I'm shocked by that because he's not playing the conference championship weekend. I would have thought that Michael... And by the way, Jaden Daniels has had a hell of a year. And actually, now that I think about it, despite the fact that Bo Nix and Michael Penix have had great stats and both were in the Pac-12 championship, Jaden Daniels, I apologize for for not mentioning this at the beginning of the show, but Jaden Daniels absolutely has would have been my Heisman. And just, I, I, hate, I hate to say it, because I, now, now I'm guilty of everything that I'm accusing of Heisman Trophy voters for being guilty of. I didn't have Jaden Daniels top of mind because... He was not in the uh, championship weekend this weekend. LSU not playing, despite the fact that LSU I think is nine and three off the top of my head, possibly ten and t- I don't think they're ten and two. I think they're nine and three. I hope so. Despite that, Jaden Daniels has been one of the most ridiculous performers of the entire year, and it would warm my heart if he won the Heisman Trophy. I love seeing these odds. I would have thought that it was Michael Penix. I hate the idea of winning a Heisman Trophy just in one week. Jaden Daniels, absolutely. I'm so sorry that I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show. Thank you so much, FanDuel, for giving... I'm so glad that I remembered to do this, because this is... This is... This is just. This is just. This is justice in an unjust society that is voting for these awards. So there we go. Jaden Daniels, number one, at minus 1450. Followed by Michael Penix at plus 1,000. So there you go. Michael Penix is at least soaring to second. Plus 2,000 is Bo Nix. And then uh, I, I'm not, I shudder to even mention the name Jalen Milrow, who is tied for fourth with Carson Beck in the odds at plus 15,000. Those guys are not going to be winning the Heisman Trophy. In fact, if I had to project uh, who they would, are going to even invite to New York next week, probably Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, and Bo Nix. They'll probably just leave it at three. They kind of fluctuate, so that's really hard to gauge. As far as uh, how many they're going to bring on any given year. Some years it's three, some years it's four, some years it's five, some years it's six. They did that. Uh, the the Trey Mason year, I believe, they brought six. Uh, so that would have been, what, 2013, I think, they brought six people. And uh, the D.D. Westbrook year, I think. So that was either 16, it may have been 2016 they brought six people. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, again, all this stuff's off the top of my head. If I'm incorrect, uh, I promise you I'm only incorrect slightly, but I still apologize for it, uh, for not having that information potentially fully accurate. So there you go. There's your live Heisman update. Can't believe it. I would have thought that Michael Pennis won this in one weekend. I'm glad that he's not because that's not the way to do this. Jaden Daniels, despite the fact that his defense was not there to help him out. It's like in Major League Baseball, right? Uh, Jacob DeGrom who I think had a 10-9 and record in one of his Cy Young Award seasons, yet had an ERA in the neighborhood of 1.7, all right? Perfectly fine, because you know what? It's not his job to hit. He got no run support that year. So Jaden Daniels is not his fault that his defense suck. Too bad. He's a Heisman Trophy winner, if you ask me. Uh, in the same realm that RG3 and... Uh, as I mentioned, J- Jalen Milrow a little bit ago, in the same realm that RG3 won the Heisman Trophy. Jalen Milrow, who can really do himself some favors reputation-wise, although I don't think he's going to launch him into the Heisman candidacy, uh, if he beats Georgia over the weekend. And RG3, 
who, and this is a largely St. Louis-based YouTube channel, so I guess I'll make a St. Louis connection. One of the greatest things that happened to the St. Louis Rams in their final years, in their final four seasons in St. Louis, is that they made the commitment to Sam Bradford, who had only been in the league for two years, was often injured already, and the Rams decided to trade the number two pick in 2012, not draft RG3, which would have made an absolute ass of the city of St. Louis, because Lord knows that St. Louisans love to pay attention to what their homegrown people are doing on the national stage. And if Robert Griffin III were making a complete fool of himself in the football media space the way that he is, but would have been a Ram doing it, that would have been a complete uh, salt-in-the-wound moment for St. Louis fans, not only to have their football team leave, but to have one of their biggest draft picks, hypothetically, if they were to have drafted RG3 and moved on from Sam Bradford, completely embarrassing them even further with all of his ridiculous opinions and his latest ridiculous opinion. Actually, I meant to say this early at the beginning of the show. His absolute latest ridiculous opinion is that he thinks Oregon and Washington should both make the playoffs. No. I would like Oregon to be above Ohio State. I also have an anti-Ohio State agenda because I'm a Notre Dame fan born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, who went to Ohio State. But my Notre Dame fan runs deep, so I, I'm never sacrificing that. So I would love to see Ohio State get spidered a little bit, despite the fact that I think Washington should not have to face Oregon, or not even risk having to face Oregon a third time. That is so unfair to do to Washington. But I do respect what Oregon's done this year. But RG3 tweeting out, uh, because he is as emotional as they come, and just lives in the moment, and he just wants everybody to have fun, and he wants 17 teams to make a 14 playoff, he suggests that Oregon and Washington, because uh, he just watched this game and just had a, a, a lot of fun watching that, I guess, uh, he's probably a Heisman voter. Actually, I know he's a Heisman voter because he won the Heisman Trophy, and all of those guys who won the Heisman Trophy end up voting. Uh, that I think they all have an automatic vote. Uh, he He's emotional. He's acting in the moment. He's suggesting that Washington and Oregon should both be playoff teams without really having seen what's going to happen the rest of Saturday, which we have just bled into with this show. Uh, that's a horrible take. And another horrible take that he had earlier in the week was that Jalen Milrow, if he were to beat Georgia, would be deserving the Heisman Trophy. Absolutely the hell not. Because Jalen Milrow started the season terribly, is a large reason that Alabama lost to Texas because he did not match up to what Quinn Ewers did on that field. In fact, he was turning the ball over. He was giving Quinn Ewers the football and then got benched. They had that horrible debacle at USF where they kind of almost lost, to be completely honest with you. Certainly did not win any convincing fashion in Tampa. And... Then Jalen Milrow won a starting job back and has had a fantastic second half of the season. But this is a full season award. We cannot... Uh, Jalen Milrow has to be absolutely disqualified. How many Heisman Trophy winners do you know who got benched? That is so unfair to Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, who we've clearly established I'm not even the biggest fan of him winning the Heisman because I would think it would be just giving it to him largely for one week. Uh, Bo Nix or anybody else, even Carson Beck. Carson Beck has been a second-half season player this year, basically. He did not start strong, but he didn't get benched. He didn't get benched for Brock Vandegrift or Gunnar Stockton. He kept his job. They kept winning. He never lost. And trust me, they had some close calls that they should have had. Uh, The Auburn game, 
was certainly one game that they were more talented than. Although, you know, looking back on what we know now, they just give Alabama a run. Although, what do we know about Auburn? Because they lost to New Mexico State the week before that, and then probably should have been Alabama if the refs had the guts to call an offensive pass interference on that. On that play in the end zone for Isaiah Bond. But we're all over the place. We kind of have the top three. We know that. But Jalen Milrow, no. RG3, you can't just say that, uh, oh, I, I, I'm going to preemptively get emotional before it even happens because that guy just lives in the moment and just has no sense of perspective about anything. He's so pro player. He just wants everybody to be happy, everybody to have fun. Uh, he has no idea what it's like to be a fan. He, he would be a terrible sports fan. Uh, his analysis is ridiculous, and this is just the latest example, and I'm sure that uh, if I continue to do college football content here on the Charlie Marlowe radio, uh, uh, Charlie Marlowe YouTube channel, uh, we, we could do hours worth of RG3 content because he he's just awful, and uh, his opinions are not based on anything but emotion, and there is zero logic to it, and he does not add anything intelligent uh, to the college football discourse, despite being one of the great players of his generation, certainly one of the great players of my childhood. Uh, but his suggestion that Jalen Milwell is playing for a Heisman Trophy on Saturday is utter garbage because this is a full-season award and not just a second-half-of-the-season award. Same for Carson Beck. He didn't get benched like Milrow did, and he didn't lose like Milrow did, and he didn't turn the ball over like Milrow did, but he still was underwhelming in the, underwhelming in the first half. Second half of the season, he's really turned it on and uh, really gained a lot of respect around uh, the universe of college football. All right, anything else? National championship odds are a go. We can just go... I, I don't even see Oregon... Oregon's nowhere to be found. I, we even have Iowa on here, who, you know, plus 100,000, who cares? They're not going to have that. But Michigan's number one, 165, Georgia 170, Washington a distant third at plus 700, and here you go, Texas at plus 900. So uh, the only ones who really appear to have a shot uh, are Michigan, Georgia, Washington, Texas, and they'll even throw in uh, Alabama at plus 1,100. Alabama not too far behind Texas, who's not too far behind Washington, and then there is a little bit of a gap between Alabama and Florida State, and then an even bigger gap between Florida State and Ohio State, and then just a gap that uh, is a freaking Grand Canyon between Ohio State and Iowa, who does not even need to be on the board at plus 1,000. But Ohio State is still alive here. On the uh, there are still odds on Ohio State. There are no odds on Oregon. I think that's fair. However, we've established I think Oregon should deserve some level of protection in the rankings above Ohio State because Ohio State had no risk this weekend. It would be an absolute travesty if they made the playoffs, in my opinion. Uh, basically, at a three-game schedule, they got a favor in South Bend by having the final two plays of the game be with only ten defenders on the field. Uh, they beat Penn State. By the way, in regards to Penn State. Anybody out there who is putting together 2025 mock drafts, and yes, I'm an absolute fo football sicko for looking at those this morning. If you have Drew Aller as the number one quarterback coming off the board and the number one player in that draft, you got to go get your head checked, or you should probably go turn on some Penn State film. I recommend the Ohio State film or the Michigan film where Drew Aller was a complete deer in the headlights. One of those games, by the way, being at home, the Michigan game, Drew Aller was god-awful in that game. He was god-awful in the Ohio State game. He was terrified of the moment. And any reason that you are putting Drew Aller as the number one overall pick in the 2025 NFL draft is based off of 
preseason valuation, uh, which clearly has been faulty so far. Now he's going to be a second-year starter next year. We'll figure that out. I didn't even realize he's going to be talking about Drew Aller on this program today. But, alas, here we are. And uh, anything else of note as I am patrolling? We have, ooh, we have FCS odds, which Richmond. Anybody got any hot takes about Albany minus seven against Richmond? I have none. Is there anything else that we can talk about? Uh, I guess brief thoughts. I assume that a lot of people are going to be watching this clip, are going to be watching this after the uh, at, at least the noon game, depending on how early this gets uploaded on Saturday morning. But the noon Eastern being the Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma State and Texas. Uh, I think Texas wins that game. I think Texas, who should... Even if Alabama beats Georgia, I think Texas, having gone to Tuscaloosa and not just beat Alabama, Texas also manhandled them the entire game. I think that's important. It's not like Alabama ran up and down the field and just had four fumbles and then crapped the game away. Texas won that game handily. That That is an important distinction. It matters how you win, and it matters how you lose. And also, how did Texas lose? They lost in a big rivalry game against the top, now top 15 Oklahoma team at the very end of that game. And by the way, Texas should have won that game, but what happened? They had two turnovers deep in Oklahoma territory. They were better than Oklahoma, except for some key plays that flipped the scoreboard. So keep in mind how Texas won, how Texas lost. Texas, certainly above Alabama, certainly above Ohio State. Why they're currently ranked behind Ohio State right now, I don't really understand that. But I think once they win the Big 12 championship... Uh, they're going to leapfrog Ohio State. And if they don't, and I, I know some people in Columbus who don't think that they're going to. In fact, I got a specific text before starting this video from uh, some Ohio State fans. One guy said, unless Texas wins by 21-plus, Ohio State is basically landlocked above Texas, which makes no sense. And I wonder what's going to happen. If Alabama beats Georgia, Alabama's naturally going to climb, and do they just... Does the college football playoff committee just basically attach Texas to the front of Alabama, and wherever Alabama goes, they just basically push Texas up with them by default? I don't know. Possibly. Uh, but regardless, I think Georgia's going to win. I do, although I'm kind of rooting for Alabama because that would make this a hell of a lot more interesting. Florida State and Louisville, despite uh, the implications of this one, I kind of don't care about this game because I don't think it's going to be very good. And I think the committee will be looking for any reason possible to keep Florida State out of the playoffs. And uh, I, I, I'm inclined to believe that Texas uh, is more deserving than Florida State. They played, uh, I, well, I just broke down basically how they won and how they lost. The Florida State played in an easier division. The LSU lost, the, I'm sorry, the LSU victory. They, they crushed LSU. But even as the season went on, that win against LSU started to look a little bit less valuable as the week's gone on. Uh, LSU finishing at 9-3, I think. And uh, Michigan and Iowa. I got Iowa over 6.5 points in this game. That's the key one right here. In, in fact, i got to double-check just to make sure. He had 21.5 and the over-under 34.5. This is going to be a game not worth watching. And Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt will have their... Mason blue pom-poms out because they just can't wait to root for anything that relates to Ohio State or Michigan. Uh, they, they are having a bye week from rooting for Ohio State, so it'll be full-on a Mason blue party. 
in the Fox broadcast booth for that one. Iowa over six and a half points is my. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't have any money on this game, so I don't want to say it's my big play of the game. But if I were to play this game, uh, I would have Iowa plus over six and a half points because I think that Iowa is going to score a garbage point or a garbage touchdown to get some points on the board. Late in this game, once Michigan realizes that they have their college football playoff future wrapped up in the bag. Anything else? Uh, N to the O. So that's all I got for you. Again, uh, thank you, Charlie Marlowe, for including me to be on his college football or his largely baseball-centric YouTube page. Again, I'm not bringing a whole lot of production value to the show. Hopefully I brought some intelligence. Kind of bounced around. Because, look, the theme of this show is talk to the walls. Literally surrounded by four walls sitting on my closet floor. Uh, I gotta I, I gotta stop this video because I'm destroying my back with this terrible posture. Thank you, Charlie Marlowe. I'm Cole here. We'll try to put like my name or something down here. I don't know. Or maybe at the beginning of the show we'll uh, put my name down there. I hope to see you guys again soon. I hope to talk to you guys again soon. I'm an absolute football sicko, as I told you, looking at 2025 mock drafts earlier this morning. So... Plenty of football content to be had out there. Uh, We're going to try to bolster this YouTube channel even further, keep it growing, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. See you guys next time.